If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Episode 15 of the Faith on Fire podcast, Understanding Generational Wealth. You are now listening to the Faith on Fire podcast, a pod for financial literacy, coaching, and real-life examples on how to transform your finances. I'm your host, Simone Brumel. Follow me on my path to financial freedom, and I'll give you tips on how to start and continue yours. Money is a tool, so learn how to use it wisely. Hi, welcome everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Today we are talking about generational wealth. It's a very important topic and broad topic as well. So I have a special guest here to talk with me. And before we get into any more detail, I'm pausing here to let her introduce herself. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Crystal Berry. I am a wife, a mother, and a native of San Diego, California. I am an MBA with a real estate broker license and over 10 years of sales experience. I'm also a certified financial education instructor. And I like to say that I take a holistic approach to financial planning by helping women pursue their life goals through proper management of their resources. So just to give you a little background, I am the creator of Flawless Finance. And I created Flawless Finance to help women better manage their money, achieve financial independence, and build generational wealth. So my mission is to ensure that my client's uh, financial journey is flawless. Um, so do you mind just talking a little bit about what, a little about what inspired you to be, you know, passionate about personal finance and generational wealth? So what inspired me, I, I recognize that a lot of people just didn't, know much about the basic financial principles. So beyond that, some people just didn't know a lot of financial information and didn't understand the reasoning behind why they made their financial decisions. So friends would ask me questions in college and um, even after I would have coworkers ask me this general questions about money and finances. And I wanted to establish something where I could um, not just focus on giving them a financial plan, but ironing out their flawed financial decision-making and helping them to develop a solid foundation to build from. So I know that there's general basic information that all people know regarding finance, where a lot of people know, you know, the ABCs of finance, but there's reasoning behind why people make their decisions. So I wanted to kind of focus solely on that. Yeah, I, I definitely have have seen that a lot of people get into personal finance and, and, you know, into the industry of educating or 
sharing financial literacy because of that, you know, just realizing the, the lack of it around you or getting questions from friends and family members. So it's always great, especially to see people of our community specifically and even more so black women who are talking about personal finance and, and general generational wealth and those topics because it's in general a, a field dominated by, by white males. So it's, it's always refreshing to have that black woman perspective. Yes, um, yes. I think that creates kind of an empathetic um, opportunity, too, to especially work on women of color to be like, you know, I've had the same kind of experiences growing up. Like, I understand the things that you've heard surrounding money or the experiences that you've had to create your outlook. So it's a different level of empathy. So... I don't remember if you mentioned this in the, your introduction, but just kind of interacting with you over the past couple of weeks, I know we've talked about our faith and um, how we approach money from that biblical perspective. So I wanted to get your thoughts or your explanation and, or understanding of generational wealth and how you view it um, and define it, whether solely from a biblical perspective, but your overall like definition that, that you're working with. Yeah, absolutely. So my faith on my financial planning is my faith. So we tithe off the top. You know, we give God what's his, what's rightfully his from the top, and we just put a lot of our faith in um, that God will provide, and he will, um, as long as we do our work and making sure that we're budgeting and we're efficient and we're working, that we're taken care of because we're obedient. Uh, to the cause of ties. So a big, um, I'll, just, I'll just say wealth, money, and possessions are the second most referenced topic in the Bible. A lot of people don't know that. So it's the second referenced uh, topic in the Bible. So money is mentioned more than 2,300 times. Have you heard that before? No, I haven't, but... Um did hear that, you know, it's a topic that's very much mentioned or addressed in the Bible. It's very addressed. Jesus spoke about wealth roughly 15% of his preaching. So 11 out of the 39 parables is regarding wealth or money. Mm -hmm. And throughout the scripture, there's an emphasis on setting an honorable trail for your offspring. Um, in Proverbs 13:22, it says, "A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a mm-hmm. sinner's wealth stored up for the righteous." So, the Bible mentions wealth, the generational wealth, you know, and leaving and setting up an inheritance for your children's children. And so, that's definitely the the plan that I have for my family and for our generations. Um, is because it's biblical. Does that answer your question? Of course it does, yeah. And I, I love the, the scripture you referenced of it leaving inheritance for children's children because that even goes to the, the second generation. And in in the biblical days, it's easy for us to, you know, talk about inheritance. And sometimes the, the word inheritance has um, kind of an older connotation because it just seems less likely in today's economy, but maybe you can talk about how 
we can see generational wealth today, right? What that can look like. Are there specific markers to, to show that um, a family or, or uh, an elder a parent, et cetera, is leaving generational wealth for their family? What are some markers they can look for? And do you have to have all of those things or a few? That's a really good question. And I love statistics, so I have to give you a couple. So about, mm-hmm. just, to, just to touch on the first um, question that you mentioned in terms of inheritance um, and it being passed down from generation to generation. So about 70% of wealthy families lose their wealth by the second generation. And 90% lose it by the following generation. So generational wealth is actually not as easy as it sounds because there's a lot of components that go into play um, when you're trying to pass it from generation to generation. I'll touch on that in a minute. Uh, just going back on the Bible, what it says in Psalms 49:20 is that people who have wealth but lack understanding are like the beast that perish. So that's, just keep that in mind. That's something I'm going to touch on in a minute. But many successful people, they fail to actually teach their children the virtues and the principles to maintain wealth that they inherit. And so mm-hmm. one thing that we need to do is ask ourselves, no matter where we're at on our financial journey, what am I doing now that's going to positively impact someone decades from now? So what are we setting up that's going to positively impact them? And just a couple of other stats I want to give you, give the listeners, is about half of all inherited money is spent or lost by investing poorly. 78% of parents feel the next generation is not financially responsible enough to handle inheritance. So th- all of this is just to say giving people money is obviously not enough. You need to ensure that they're financially literate to take on mm-hmm. this responsibility of, take, you know, of carrying this money. So I believe the biggest reason why generational wealth ends up failing is because education is not passed down. There's an emphasis on the wealth and the money, but there needs to be an emphasis on a wealth of knowledge that needs to be passed with it. Yeah, I love that because so often we have those, you know, common criticisms and we hear those horror stories in the, in the statistics you just mentioned around um, people being irresponsible with money passed down and people saying, you know, you're saving all this money or planning to pass it down and they're going to squander it. So it, it's not only about passing down the wealth, but the literacy and the understanding as well. Yeah, I think actually that may be one of the most important things is really understanding what you're going to do with the money before you even receive it. And I think it is kind of the responsibility on um, that prior generation to teach that and not assume that, you know, the kids or the grandkids understand money and understand how it works. So then the other question was around, right, how do we see generational wealth in today's economy, or what does that look like in more practical terms? And if there's specific markers people should look for, I know we we tend to think of trust funds and these large sums of money, but there are there other markers or things you can have um, generational wealth with. 
Yes, yeah. So that's that's a good question. So let's look at the definition. By definition, generational wealth represents assets that are passed from one generation to the next. So assets, they include real estate, stock market investments, a business, or anything that contains some monetary value. Just to so everybody understands what the definition of generational wealth is. So personally, I believe that there's two things that have to be considered to build wealth. The first thing is real estate. And the second thing is business ownership. Both of these can be passed down to generations. Now, back to the staff. <laughs> According to the Economic Policy Group, housing equity makes up two-thirds of all wealth for the typical household. Housing equity. So real estate is essential for building wealth. The other thing I mentioned was entrepreneurship. And I'm not a tax professional, but maybe you could speak to this. I know that having a home-based business or just a business in general offers you a lot of tax advantages. And this is not just a business, but owning a home. So both of these things together offer you a lot of tax advantages. Is that correct? That is true, or at least in the current I'm saying the current tax system, who knows what changes will yeah. happen. And it's not as beneficial right. as it used to be, but yes. Right. You, but that, that's one major thing to keep in mind is the, some of the benefits of both of those. And I've also, I also like to think of it um, kind of in tiers, right, where the real estate and entrepreneurship is, kind of the highest level of actually passing down um, assets from generation to generation. But maybe the, it's like baby steps in a sense of maybe the first generation to, to start building this, your way of build, passing down assets is um, paying for school or, you know, setting the next generation up to be able to buy the house or to be able to start the business, right? If you can um, pass down money to for a down payment or help um, children with schools so they don't have loans, you're you're setting the foundation for your child to be able to do to do the kind of top tier generational wealth. Yeah, that that's a perfect point. So what you said, real estate. And entrepreneurship, that's kind of after you've already established the baby steps, which is kind of mm -hmm. what Dave Ramsey um, has termed baby steps. So I think the most important thing that you can do is to start as early as possible. So wherever you're at right now, just start somewhere. Aggressively pay down your debt, establish a budget, um, use apps like Personal Capital or Mint, or you need a budget, wine app, uh, to start tracking your expenses and to start saving. And that's going to be the key is save as much as you possibly can. Just save, save, save. So you do that by creating a budget first. And then yeah. you want to consider, you know, your retirement, possibly maxing out your 401K if your company offers a match investing for the long term, you know, be consistent, watch your money grow. And then once you have those base things in mind, then consider real estate. 
you know, once you've already taken care of your budget, you have your savings, your emergency fund, your debts paid down, then real estate is something I would say to consider once the foundation is solid. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think um, thinking of it as baby steps or more progressional instead of like this large thought of overall generational wealth, it can help, especially people in our community, start to do some practical things to reach it because um, a lot of times you just default to think we're not in the financial position to start, you know, leaving inheritances and, and passing things down. But one of the key things you can do to help um, your next generation is to be a good foundation, right? So clearing right. of debts, all the things you just mentioned. Right, exactly. And just also, I mean, just to backtrack, honestly, the most important thing out of everything I mentioned is the mindset. Because if you don't think you can do this, then you won't. So mm-hmm. it's just really getting your mind right first before anything and saying, I'm capable of building wealth and generational wealth just like anybody else. Like, well, there's nothing that, like, remove the barriers and just say, mm-hmm. I can do this. I mean, <clears throat> I think that's the key to keep in mind is getting your mind right. Yeah, and and that mindset is one barrier, but are there any other things that you've seen or um, seen people kind of get tripped up on in, in trying to create generational wealth? Absolutely. So right now, especially uh, the student loans. Student loan debt, mm-hmm. credit card debt, they're major barriers to millennials, especially with um, with trying to even start the process of building wealth because you have to climb this huge mountain of debt before even thinking of a, the concept. So those are definitely, I think, the biggest hurdles right now, just getting past paying down debt. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just a big one. Yeah, and again, it's for for people who were fortunate enough to go to college or go to school and um, either have scholarships or grants or some other funding where they don't owe for their education or um, the kind of generational wealth example is where your parents pay for your schooling so you're free of that debt. Again, it's just opening the door for you, right, so you can start to think we're two generations down if we think about the, the scripture verse where it's mm-hmm. children's children, right? A lot of times in our communities, we've only been able to plan for one generation. Um, so all we're doing is just for our kids um, and until, you know, we can start to um, kind of grow and build the foundation, then we can start thinking about the grandchild generation or, you know, two, two generations out. So... I wanted to talk to you about, like, actually maintaining it, right? So we talked about how to get it, and we understand the barriers. But as you mentioned earlier, that that statistic where 70% is lost in the the second generation and then even more further down. So what are some things people can do to maintain or, or keep the wealth kind of in the family? I think the best way to maintain it is to just remain a student. 
So it sounds so simple, but you really can never stop learning. So you can rely on experts, but you should seek out information for yourself. You know, always just learning, reading books, watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts like Faith on Fire, you know, just Mm -hmm. constantly learning and also having a sphere of influence, having people around you who um, encourage your goals. They know what you're trying, your objectives, what you're trying to do. Yeah, definitely continuing to learn and not just learning for yourself, but starting to instill those stages of learning in your children. Um, So if you have to leave one takeaway or if you have like a a few um, tips for listeners around generational wealth and personal finance, um, what would you want everyone to just remember or take away from today? So I'll just, I'll leave the listeners with some some practical tips or steps that they can take now to build into generational wealth eventually. And I mentioned earlier getting the foundation in order. So it's important that you know your numbers. So that's the first thing. What is your net worth? What is your debt, your retirement accounts, investments, if you have those things? So after knowing and understanding your numbers, you want to create a budget, and follow it. I mentioned apps like Personal Capital, Mint, YNAB. You can download. I know Personal Capital and Mint for free. And YNAB, there's a small expense to it. But definitely create a budget. Write your goals and set deadlines to achieve them. That's really important. And I mentioned earlier as well, have an accountability partner, a coach, a sphere of influence. That will encourage you to meet your goals. And then lastly, you want to read, research, and always remain a student and continue to learn. Yeah, I love those. And the Mint app is one of my my personal favorites. So um, Mm. I definitely think all of those things together, you know, is is just the the first steps in, in, in getting there. And it's, like you said before, the mindset of knowing you can and just starting with a few Changes of habit can do that. Right, right. Um, Well, Crystal, I've definitely enjoyed talking to you today about generational wealth, and I hope the listeners enjoyed the information you were able to share. If people wanted to find you or contact you, you can go ahead and give them your social media contacts or wherever else they can get to you. So you can find me on Instagram at flawless underscore finance. Uh, you can email me at flawless underscore finance SD at gmail.com. And, yeah, that's the best way to follow me or follow what I'm doing is Instagram. Perfect. Yep. I definitely enjoy following your Instagram page, so I hope the listeners will go ahead and follow it and enjoy the content you're posting. Once again, Crystal, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode. As usual, I want to take time to thank everyone who's listening, whether it's your first time or you've been listening from the beginning. I truly do appreciate it. want to take a few minutes to invite you to join my book club if you are listening in real time it's the first week of september and we're starting off reading a book about 
the history of black generational wealth in America. Um, it's a really great read, Black Fortunes, the story of the first six African-Americans who escaped slavery and became millionaires by Shamari Willis. And it's not so much a self-help book as it is a reminder of what has been done in this country and just understanding really how difficult it is to maintain generational wealth. So I'm inviting you to head over to faithonfirellc.com forward slash subscribe, sign up for the book club and join the conversation. If you aren't already following me on social media, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at faithonfirellc and on Twitter at sbfaithonfire. As always, have a great week and God bless.